Hey love, this is Tina D from Maryland, and I invite you to picture it. You're home alone watching TV, when the hairs on the back of your neck suddenly stand up, and then you see movement out of the corner of your eye. But when you turn to look, there's nothing there. You treat yourself to a little afternoon nap, only to be awoken by the sound of your peaceful pooch growling, hackles raised, staring at the closet door. You're walking downstairs when you hear someone whisper your name, followed by childish giggling. There's nobody else there, and you don't have children. Then you feel a hard push on your back, and you fall down, down, catching a brief glimpse of a young girl's face smiling gleefully at you before you're swallowed by darkness. Will it be true crime or paranormal? Let Donna and Carrie show you the way. Donna and I'm Carrie and we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 122. And you just heard that intro by Tina D. And hopefully that got you all up in the spooky mood just like it did us. Hey and you know what else? Tina was one of the winners of the intros that we gave away. So we'll be giving away some at other times throughout the year. If you want a chance to win you gotta be in the Facebook group though. So head on over to Facebook. Go to a paranormal chicks group and you know join. And if you won or it's part of your Patreon tier, record your intros. <laughs> <laughs> you have heard Robot Carrie. You must comply. Damn, Robot Carrie, finish my sentence. <laughs> you talk too slow. <laughs> How do I listen to you at one point five in real life? <laughs> Press my button. Oh God, no. Well, I'll finish it for you. Patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Well, motherfucker. <laughs> well, Changeling Carrie came and even did my voice. <laughs> and she smiled. Okay, let's get into this first story. First story and their first time sending it in. This one's called Good Mood Food? Question mark, question mark. Hey, ladies, or should I say chicks? How about greetings, Donna and Carrie? My name is Karen, and I am an intuitive and Hayoka empath. I hope I said that correctly. So I have many experiences, and on top of being born with the veil, Southern edition, not literal. I was born and raised a New Orleans boy. I've heard of many different podcasts, but when I caught yours, I was stopped in my tracks. I love true crime and have grown up with having to solve mysteries all the time because I'm born into the paranormal. My entire family, as I know of, have gifts of one sort or another, and I can sense them on them like hush puppies right out of the grease, and people find it easy to speak and confide in me, so I usually attract other mystical people and beings. I've met the gamut, but that is a whole series I can give you. But I'll try to write in again about some more of my experiences. I plan on typing a different one for another podcast also that y'all should listen to. True Paranormal. Very creepy. 
Picture it. It's 2012, and I'm working in my local mall when malls still had a heartbeat, and I'm loving it. I'm new to this part of Louisiana, and I'm making friends left and right in the mall and selling products left and right at my storefront in the still busy mall. Usually on breaks, I would go to Arby's in the food court if I wasn't super hungry and have a large fry with Arby's sauce. Being a regular, I was always gifted piping hot fries and overflowing heaps of them. And per usual, I would chat with a new friend there. We'll call him Vance. Well, Vance dropped my fries and the aroma blasted as they cooked. I remarked on him being alone in the store. And to my surprise, he was working alone because the latest employee was fired for stealing. But with a questioning look, he of course asked me if I wanted to work part-time there. Well, with the smell of fries and now the mozzarella sticks dropped next to my nose, couldn't allow me to say no. I started a while after and within the first three weeks, I'm asked to look into management. Taking it as a compliment, I of course say yes. As the weeks go on, I'm being trained by Vance, and we're becoming friends, talking about our paranormal experiences, him asking about spirits in the mall, and the Arby's we were at, and who they were and why they died, so on and so forth. You see, when I concentrate, or when the spirit is very forthcoming, I can see what they see and feel it, and can communicate with them here and then. Vance, of course, finds this ability very interesting, being that he can feel the ghosts, but usually only has bad ones or demons around him, so he never allowed himself to develop his gifts. Luckily, I had my first experience at three, which scared me, but I attacked the shadow person instead of running, and from there on out, I read on everything paranormal and learned how to go about protecting and battling with the spirit and my own energies. Anyhow, with us being at a mall store, we of course hadn't a drive through to teach me on, but one was three miles down the way. So one night when said Arby's was slammed and only having two people running the store, me and Vance decided I was training on drive through that night after we closed the store. Yeah, overtime. When we got to the other Arby's, I immediately felt off in the parking lot, but filed it away as nerves. Parking in the back, we walked around the front and entered as the line wrapped around the building. Vance runs to the back and gets two headsets, and I go to the restroom, wash my hands, and get the strangest feeling of being watched from being in the one-stall, one-year-old restroom. I can touch both walls if I use one hand and one foot, no space to hide. Finishing up quickly, I look to the mirror, and I see a swirling and book it out of there. A portal. As I go get my headset and cross behind the counter, I stop midway and step backwards into the lobby, then forward behind the counter, and then back and forth at least four times, enough for the other manager to yell at Vance. You told him, snapping his head from the front counter where he was taking an order, our eyes locked, and he told me in a happy and excited voice, don't say anything yet, then yelled to Evelyn, I didn't tell him, and don't say anything. As I get to the drive through I start assisting as in being taught how to order take. But as I do this, I'm seeing people, a woman, a customer, I guessed, looking down the hallway window directly at me, off and on, and seeing movement in the back of the restaurant, despite the sandwich maker being one line making the mountain of sandwiches. Evelyn helping me as I helped her and Vance being on the front cash. 
After some time, probably an hour and 30 minutes, I walked from behind the counter due to feeling extremely sick now suddenly. Sitting down in the lobby, I felt somewhat better but not completely whole. As I sat there and the rush died, Vance pulled the other two workers out with me and with the biggest smile, he tells me to go and tell them. With a confused look, I watch him for some sign or hint of what I'm supposed to tell. Evelyn then pipes up and says again that I've been told before. I look at her and truthfully tell her that I've been in this store once before a year ago, but only to pick up a friend who was scared to go home alone, but that was it. Vince says, what do you feel? Then I catch on. I look back behind them and see another figure walking past, and I ask bluntly, who was shot here and when did the robbery happen? The last part I said was a question. Now yelling again, both of the workers think I'm making it up. I ask the male worker why he is listening to the second voice that is speaking to him. Going red in the face, he stares at me and starts to get defensive as I explain that I can perceive what it is telling him and that it is a demon, which doesn't shock him, but for him confirms that I'm a sensitive. Later that night, we do a mini exorcism and breaks the bond. At this point, I'm told by Vance to just go off of what I feel and see as I start to concentrate the energies and the memories and the speech becomes overwhelming. So I close my eyes and ask the spirits to show me. Walking with my eyes completely closed and with three people following me, I give them a tour of the house that used to be there, which started behind the counter, a.k.a. where the stoop would be. Walking, guided by the memories of the house before, I take them through what happened. A woman in her 30s, 32, I'm certain, was dating a guy, wasn't sure his exact age, but around 35 to 40, and he wasn't forthcoming. And the 32-year-old lived in the house with her mother. The boyfriend recently moved in, and the mother was happy at first, Then one night after too many drinks, he came home in a rage and scared the daughter badly. She hadn't seen him like this before, despite them having a healthy relationship of ups and downs. But this night was different. Turns out he was possessed by the same demon that was speaking to the current employee. Well, that night, he caused such a ruckus, he woke up the mother, and like any southern woman, she defended her daughter against him. But mistakenly, he shoved her, and the mother hit her head on her own bed, killing her instantly. Then the boyfriend went after her to try and make this thing right, but with a now-dead mother blankly staring, she wouldn't hear his words. They tussled for a while, then when he couldn't get her to be silent, he purposefully killed her by strangulation using his hands. But as her soul left her body, so did the demon leave him. Seeing what he did, or what the possessed him did, he took his gun from his car and shot himself in the back of the store. Going through the story in much more detail that night, when I opened my eyes, they were mouth agape and almost in tears. Apparently the office, aka the mother's room, you have the movement all the time, turning on cameras when no one is in the store, and you also get the feeling of being watched. All the managers except one would always have a person in there with them. The prep room and the stock room were known to have loud bangs and dropping boxes like a fight or someone throwing items only to find nothing out of place. That was where the scuffle between the couple took place and the death. 
and the bathrooms, both male and female, were haunted by the respective ghosts. The woman would speak in the stall next to you, but no one would be there when you checked. And in the men's, the demon would loom over your shoulders. I've seen police, firemen, bikers, and Nazi followers run from that bathroom because of hearing or feeling something. But the worst was the back room where the fuse box and the power switches were. That's where everyone felt horrible and depressed, sad of life, and honestly, suicidal. That's where he died by suicide. Later that year, I was transferred to that store and continued working there with daily stories over the five years I was there, but I didn't have problems with any of them. Mostly because the male's demon and boyfriend were sexist and bothered females of the store much more than the guys. But also, I spoke and treated them like guests, so I didn't have any problems. The demon even held the freezer door open for me before. But that's all I'm doing on that story tonight. I've taken too much of your time, but let me know if you want more. I have too many stories, and all true. I'm an empath and intuitive, and they are seen as people who are a glowing being, so I am always having more experiences. Happy days, scary nights, and I hope this was paranormal and true crime enough for you. P.S. I know you're going to ask, but I didn't bother to look up the address to confirm. The memories were enough, but if I do, I will share with you too. Well, that's scary as fuck. Oh my goodness. That is so scary, and I would be one of the coworkers mouth to the floor watching you i also don't like they like not set you up but it was like vance did for sure yeah like did you tell him i I didn't tell him you know like it was like a test i know but i would so be vance too because you i think vance wanted to know if you were for real for real as well and that was his way of testing because he you know what i mean like i don't like the being tested thing i know that's, that's weird but you're a skeptic. I know, but like it's like if it's one of your friends, though, you're not going to set them up like that. I don't know. I didn't like it. Eh. I mean, you could be like, people say some weird shit have happened there. Tell me what you feel. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. then make them go into specifics, like not just like a going in blind, and right? Then, because if they are for real, like him, he got sick, and so mm-hmm. it's like, no, like give somebody a heads up. Right. That's very true. And do we even have to say this? Uh, send in all of those stories. And can you also send some hush puppies? Because now I want some. And also, I thought you were going to say that you could read auras when you said that's like, y'all shine brighter. And I was like, wait, you read or Oh, never mind. Because the last episode, we were talking about we want our auras read. And I was like, wait, oh, my God. Oh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> This one's titled, My Sister Accidentally Brought Home a Ghost. Hey ladies, pups, and Will. My name is Sarah. I discovered your podcast after catching up on And That's Why We Drink, and Spotify introduced me to y'all. I live in Austin, Texas, but am originally from Richmond, Virginia. Some background info. My whole family is from New Orleans, Louisiana. That's two people from New Orleans in a row. We're two for two. (laughs) Right? Every year for spring break, my mom would take my sister and I to New Orleans to visit family. One trip, my older sister Tori was going through her goth phase and talked my mom into letting us go on a haunted history tour in the French Quarter. We went through the tour, heard the stories, and ended the tour at St. Louis Cemetery 1 at the tomb of Marie Laveau, bad bitch voodoo queen. My sister called me over to the tomb and she found a little circular metal thing. 
I told her to put it back, but being my older sister, she said no and brought it home. Whoa. Well, that's when shit started going down. Nothing ever felt malicious, just kind of annoying. Most of the activity was footsteps in Tori's bedroom, which was right above the living room. We also had a problem when my sister or I would wear shorts and tank tops to bed. Our closet doors would creak open and we would both get a feeling of someone watching us. Now, we were stupid kids and wanted to name the ghost. Well, we were both fans of South Park at the time, so of course we named the ghost Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible but funny. I mean, that's freaking brilliant. And most of the time, if we heard something and told Kenny to knock it off, he would. However, when my family moved out of the house, Kenny did not follow us. So I hope he's having fun with the new owners. I love your podcast so much, and you for sure helped me get through my work day and drive home. Thanks for all the laughs. Stay spooky, my friend, Sarah. P.S. You can for sure use all the names in the story. Sarah's like, tell all our shit. Sarah's like, uh, my sister got us a fucking ghost, so... We named it. <laughs> and I'm gonna need you to put her on blast. <laughs> yes. Because she brought the ghost home, even though I told her not to. Right? Look... If you find something on a gravestone... Don't fucking touch that shit. Don't touch it. And if you're going to touch it, don't take it. And if you're going to take it, don't take it home. (laughs) But I'm glad nothing, like, really bad happened. To them. Yeah, to them. Ooh. But also, I wonder why it was when you wore tank tops and shorts. Is it like you showed too much skin? I think so. Oh, Lord. Well, Marie Laveau, don't go and fucking Donna or Tiffany's room. <laughs> this bitch is sleeping the buff. In the buff? That's what it's God, called. I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, she would love you. Actually, she'd be like, oh my God, I'm so fucking tired. <gasps> this bitch covers up everything. I can't haunt her for anything. Can't believe your sister got you haunted by Marie Laveau. I mean, go big or go home. They did both. <laughs> They went home and they were haunted. Okay, the next one. Hi, ladies. I started listening to your podcast and I absolutely love it. I'm a cake decorator in a 97-year-old bakery and I get way too creeped out listening to your podcast. Cake decorating videos are some... Cake and cookie decorating videos Mm. on Instagram are like my guilty pleasure. And actually, I'm not guilty about it. I kind of love it. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you... Ooh, me and Carrie, we could quit our day job and be cookie decorators. Let me tell y'all. Meanwhile, a week and a half in, and she's still on the first fucking cookie. Not an exaggeration. And also, our cookies were terrible. They tasted yummy. Well, because we didn't make them. Yeah. Okay. After listening to some of your sinister sightings, I thought I would share this experience. To this day, I have no idea what this was, and nothing like it has happened since. Anyway, on to the story. My childhood bedroom was on the top story of our house and was the only window that looked out into the cul-de-sac below. My bed was a super tall bunk bed, so tall that if I even tried to sit up, I would hit my head on the ceiling a quarter of the way up. Instead of having a bed underneath, I had a desk and a couch and some toys. My bed was set right up against the large window, and if I moved my blinds in between the slats of my bunk bed, I could just see out of the top of the window. 
I also had a smaller window that was diagonal to how I would lay. And because of how high I was up, the light in the hallway outside of the room would bounce off of it and almost make like a mirror. So I could see into the hallway at night. For context, the top level of my house was shaped like a candy cane. At the bottom of the hook would be the staircase, my bathroom, and then my bedroom with my parents' room all the way at the end of the hallway and the base of the cane. I hope that makes sense. All this is important to the story. When I was about nine, I was going through a phase where I was absolutely terrified of the dark and ghosts, etc. There had been a trend of talking about and calling on Bloody Mary at school, and I was so terrified that I would avoid bathrooms for hours at a time. It got so awful that I actually ended up getting a urinary tract infection. My father was an incredibly strict type A man, and when he heard of this nonsense, he couldn't stand it. He locked myself and him inside of my bathroom in the dark and made me do the Bloody Mary ritual. It was a really traumatic experience for many reasons, but I digress. Later on that night, my mom was trying to put me to sleep, and she was honestly just so fed up with me being scared that she allowed me to keep my door open and the hallway light on, which she normally didn't let me do. About 20 or so minutes from the time that she left, I started to get incredibly anxious. I don't know if it was my own thoughts or what, but something compelled me to look into the hallway through my reflective window. When I did, I could see a blurry figure at the top of my stairs just standing there. I obviously said, Mom? Whatever it was must have been standing facing the bottom of the stairs because I watched as it turned around and started walking to the top of the stairs to my room. Nope, don't like that at all. I was absolutely terrified. So terrified I could barely breathe. I did the only thing I thought would protect me. I went under the covers and tried to pretend it wasn't there. In my nine-year-old mind, I just thought because I was so high, whatever it was would not know I was there. What felt like forever, I could feel the energy in the room shift. I literally remember tears starting to form in my eyes because I was so scared. I felt like I would never be happy again. That's when the scratching started. Slowly and quietly, I could hear something scratching underneath my bunk bed, directly under where I was sleeping. I heard and almost felt something dragging something sharp against the wood in long, long strokes. Every time it would stop, it would start over again, louder, more aggressive, and quicker than before, until it just suddenly stopped. I don't know if I audibly heard it or felt it or thought it, but all I know is that something was telling me, come outside, come down. It was a nagging thought, almost like when you have an annoying song in your head. For the same reason, a weird compulsion, I peeked out through my big window in between the slots to see the outside of my cul-de-sac, and what I saw, I still have nightmares about today. What I saw was me myself. I saw myself standing in the middle of the cul-de-sac underneath a light pole, holding something in hand. I was happy and I was beckoning me to come down. I could see my hand motioning to myself to come outside. I went back under the covers and tried to sleep. At this point in full panic attack and tears. The whole night I had that nagging feeling and every time I would check outside, I would be there. Sometimes closer, sometimes further but always there. 
As the night progressed, I got more angry, infuriated that I wasn't coming down. Something was always behind me, just out of reach of the street light. As soon as it was light in my room, I went to climb down from my bunk bed, and even though I'd had this bed for three years and would go on to have it for two more, for the very first time and only time, I fell. I fell straight on top of a large Barbie castle. It was the one where the elevator would move up and down, and mine was broken. A metal pole was sticking out from the hinges. Somehow this thing had ended up right beneath my ladder. This was the worst pain in my childhood. I ended up with a huge bleeding bruise for two weeks. My mom says that she remembers this happening like it was yesterday because I was convinced that something had pushed me and hurt me on purpose. I've never had another experience like this. We lived in a new construction home. I had never felt unsafe there before. Needless to say, I never slept with my door open again. I still sleep under my covers at 28 and occasionally have a nightmare about this night. Holy shit. Okay, that really is so fucking scary. The long scraping on the wood and then getting faster and faster and faster and faster. Mm -mm. That gives me so much anxiety. Like that builds so much like tension up in the horror movies for me. Mm -hmm. Like it makes my like, oh my God, just like someone die already because I like, I just need it to get over with because it, oh God, that's, oh man, I didn't want you to die in this story, but I just needed it to go. Oh, and then you looked outside and basically saw your doppelganger or something. Legitimately. Oh my gosh. And I don't know why, but I pictured you holding a balloon. What would have happened if you had actually gone out there? I don't know. And also being beckoned out there. Oh, my gosh. And, okay, so this isn't creepy, but then I'm just nosy. So I had I had a Barbie house that had an elevator, but it was, I think what we called it was an apartment. And it had, like, three levels or four levels. But the the elevator, you know, was like a pole thing. And I'm wondering if that's what you had. Sounds like it. I think the sink made noise and something else. Dang. Okay, bougie. I mean, it was cardboard. (laughs) Well, I didn't. You know what my Barbie dream house was? That wasn't the dream house. I did have a dream house, though. Okay. Do you know what my Barbie house was? What? It was underneath the end table next to the couch. Well. That was my Barbie house. I had to imagine it. And you know what? My older sister, Casey, always fucking took the best houses. My neighbor, she also had a dream house, but she had a waterbed. I did have a waterbed. Well, my parents did, and then I got a hand-me-down one from my brother-in-law's parents. Yes, you did. I, I've only slept on a waterbed twice in my life, and I hated both times. But she would put her, like, because, you know, the dream house was, like, three sections or whatever. And so she would put her section by her waterbed. So hers was, like, oceanfront property. And then, like. That's so cute. All this thing. I, my, my barber didn't get that at her house. I was like, that's so good. So, yeah. Mine was on the outskirts of town over there. Well, mine was still at the store. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany had a, like a camper thing. And I think she had like that white, white car. I had an Elvis car that was not a Barbie car, but I used it as that because my mama got it from a garage sale. But it was a perfect size for like a retro Barbie. They had sex up in there a lot. Well, tell me some more shit you had that I didn't have. 
Okay, miss, I went to Disney World. One time. Mm-hmm. Well, really three, but two. Okay. Hold on. But really two of them were on school trips that we raised money for, so we mm-hmm. parents didn't pay for it. Mm-hmm. But one time? Mm-hmm. Not me. Your parents didn't do vacations. We did one. We went to Bush Gardens. Okay, I've never been to Bush Gardens. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on from Barbie Talk. Hi, beautifuls. I just want to say that I love the podcast and death feels like I've found my people. I hate being scared, but I've stuck around and I have learned so much about the paranormal and feel so much more comfortable exploring different spiritual things. I don't have a lot of specific memories about all the spooky things that have happened around me, but my mom's side of the family is super into it and believes in everything very deeply. Truly, madly, deeply. I've been told a lot about this particular house that we rented when I was growing up. I think we lived there for like a year because creepy and spooky. It was definitely haunted in the normal sense where doors would open and close, cupboards would slam, etc. I was maybe around three to five at the time, and whatever ghosts were in the house were my quote-unquote friends. I don't really remember this, but I guess I would roll a ball to no one and it would roll back. Nope. And sit in the corner by myself and play and talk to nobody. Double nope. That's what she's saying. I mean, I concur. (laughs) But what is creepy to me is that every time my mom or somebody wanted to take me somewhere, I would have to ask, quote, the people if I could go. We should have noped to write the fuck out of there immediately, but I digress. I'd run to a corner or behind a door and whisper to nothing, asking permission to leave. Like, it was probably time to sage the shit out of that house. I don't know if the ghost ever said no, but I sure hope that, quote, the people haven't followed me around on my shoulder. Pray for me, lol. Love you ladies, Taylor. That was always my biggest fear working in hospitals, is that something was going to hop around on my shoulder and follow me home. Yes, it is. And all I can think about is the Martian from the Flintstones. Though, um, that you called them the people, that's... mm Yeah, that's weird. That's creepy. Like, you, you shouldn't have to ask if you can leave your house. Mm-mm. Unless you're asking your parents. Right, right. But I mean, like, oh, let me ask the, uh ghosts they're not the boss of you all right the next one is called irritated museum ghosts hi all i love your podcast it's like hanging out with old friends while i'm at work or driving i'm still back in the 2019 episodes but binging happily i am an open-minded skeptic in the paranormal even though i watch things about it obsessively i'm very sensitive around living people's energy but not so much with spirits All of my stories are short and subtle, but my sister is sensitive to spirits, so maybe I can get her to write to you sometime. I started thinking about something that happened at our old house when we were first married that I never thought about at the time. A lot of times when I would be in bed, I would hear something that sounded like an alarm clock in the attic or the wall, and then other times I would hear something that sounded like talking, like on a radio in the attic. I honestly thought in my half-asleep, annoyed state that there was some stupid radio in the attic from some past renter with the alarm set. But it wasn't every day or at the same time, the way alarms work. The thing is, we didn't have a big attic there. I only ever peeked into the attic at the house, but I'm pretty sure it didn't go clear over our bedroom. 
And we for sure didn't store anything up in that attic because the hatch to it was up really high in the garage. And being so small, it wasn't worth it. If there was something old up there from someone else, the batteries would have been dead a long time ago. It never occurred to me until now that maybe it was something paranormal. When I was a kid, we inherited my grandmother's large wooden organ. My parents would try to put knickknacks on it, but they would always be knocked off the next time you would walk by. My grandmother had never allowed anything to be set on that organ, so we always thought it was her spirit knocking them off and saying, nope. At that house, we also had a metal cross on the wall. I don't know why. We were not religious. Our cat would sit there and stare at it. Super creepy. Two more. Just a short thing. My hubby and I were walking out of our patio to the driveway about a year ago, and we both heard a man's voice behind us. No one was there. It's sorry. It's even more amazing because my hubby is hard of hearing. Lastly, when I worked at our local historical society, it was located in the house museum for our town. It was an old house built around 1908. I loved it. It was beautiful and creaked the way an old house should when you walked around. I was alone in there a lot as I was the only paid employee. People always asked if it was haunted. If it was, I never felt anything creepy. Someone told me years ago they saw someone in a mirror that wasn't really there, and someone else told me someone was hung in the attic, but there was no record of that, and like I said, skeptic. I managed to arrange a ghost investigation as a raffle prize at our yearly gala. The winner got to bring a guest and join the paranormal investigators on a night investigation. I was super excited too because I got to supervise and therefore participate. A few things happened to me that I can't explain. The less skeptical said they had a lot of experiences. First, they were talking to spirits using a pendulum, a circle for yes, back and forth for no. What they had gotten so far was that they were talking to a young Native American girl who died from a disease near there. Now, there had been a permanent Native American village in the area, so yeah, maybe. Side note, I did find out that there had been a paranormal investigation before I started there, and they contacted a young Native American girl, too. Then it was my turn. I was told to hold the pendulum. I figured they were unconsciously moving the pendulum, so I wasn't expecting much. I honestly don't even remember what the question was that we asked, but the pendulum got yanked down in my hand. I couldn't have done that if I had tried. Second, we were up in the attic asking questions, taking photos, you know the drill. Suddenly, I got a wave of sadness unrelated to me. For some reason, I thought of a Japanese-American family that had lived there at one time. They were sent to the internment camps during the war, even though he was a prominent businessman in town. I asked something like, Are you sad that they took you away from your home? Dumb question. I know. I know. I just felt dazed and sad and connected to something up there. It was weird. Third, the next day, when I was back at the museum working, one of the volunteers said the attic lights were not working. Now, it's an old house, and there were wiring issues. The bulb up there went out before, so I figured that was it. But we couldn't get it to work, so we called a workman in to look at it. They said the entire lighting unit was toasted. They had to come back and replace the whole thing. I told the volunteer about the night before up there. We decided I pissed him off asking such a stupid question and bringing up such a sore subject, so they broke the lighting unit out of irritation. Needless to say, even though I was afraid the museum board would think I was crazy if they found out, 
I brought sage and sage the whole place the next day. I got to participate in a large-scale paranormal investigation at the old Tacoma Brewery once, too. I'll tell you about that some other time. Thanks for all the gasps and laughs. Michelle T. You can use my real name. That is so freaking cool that that was one of the raffle prizes. I know. I'd have bought so many damn tickets. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have won at all. No, me neither. You know when I tend to win raffles is when I don't buy a ticket. <laughs> like, you know, like I just went to that football 101 mm-hmm. at Southern Miss, the university here. And it's like a football thing. Like you get to take pictures with the head coach and, you know, pictures with the mascot, all the things. And I think I won something last year. Well, whatever the last year they had it was, because I guess they didn't have it last year because of the pandemic. But I won then. My sister Christy won twice that night. Weird. She only had one raffle ticket. Tell me how she won twice. Because she's the luckiest person ever. Right. But I won this year. I won like a little tea towel. And I was like the first one drawn. Like I never, because I didn't buy the ticket. Like it just. Did she? No, because you buy tickets like to go to the event. No, did she buy the ticket to go to the event? Who? Christy. When? This year? Yeah. We, you have to buy a ticket to go to the event, but you are just given a raffle ticket oh, okay, as okay, part okay. of you, like, buy a ticket to go to the event, mm-hmm. you get the event, you get a t-shirt, you get dinner, you get, you I get know. You, I get you, I get you, So the raffle tickets are free as part of just, like, the night. Yeah. And we both won again this year. So a free raffle ticket, I'll fucking win on. I buy one like that, I don't win on. Yeah. My fucking sister Christy buys one raffle ticket for $75 and wins a brand new Camry. Mm-hmm. True story. You see those in anything where they're like, you can win a car. You're like, yeah, right. No, no, no. Well, this was a raffle for the Cancer Foundation for yeah. the hospital she works at. So it, it was a legit. More legit, but. But still, she won a fucking car. A car. <laughs> And, like, a brand new Camry, fully loaded, too. Like, leather seats, like, the whole shebang. Like, not just, like, the base model. Like, the legit, like, damn. She'll have that car for 20 years. I've always wanted to do a pendulum reading or something. But I don't know if that one, I don't trust myself enough to do it because I know I don't have a steady hand. But then I just feel like the person doing it would probably be biased, too, if, like, I'm asking questions not so much in a paranormal investigation standpoint, but in a like a reading standpoint of, you know, am I going to get a boyfriend this year? I feel like someone would be like, oh, give this girl some hope. Like, let's get her a yes in here with that. And that's like just a, a muscle in your finger can make that go yes. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Y'all let me know because... Uh, I see them on TikTok and I want, like, I want to watch them and, like, I don't, I don't know, but I don't understand all of it because I just don't trust myself. So I don't know. I know whenever I was in Salem doing my residency, there was this boutique that I went to that, like, a witch owned it and, you know, had all the cool, like, witchy stuff. And she had those for sale and she would, like, show you, you know, how to do it and all. And I mean, I felt like, like, my hand wasn't moving. And it would just start swinging. Yeah. Because it had, like, places to go. You know, like, it it had, like, a mat under it. But your handshake. Not when you're just holding something. I mean, I can hold it steady. 
You couldn't, you couldn't do operation. I can too. I beat my nephew all the time. You didn't beat me or Colby. Well, y'all cheated. Mm-mm. It goes bam, 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 on you. Look at my hand. Girl, ain't nothing up in your hand to see. Look at mine. Steady. Mm-hmm. Like a rock. Oh, Lord. Moving on. Sup, ladies, and hello from upstate New York. I'm Jessie, she, her pronouns. Let me start by saying how much I enjoy your podcast. I work overnights, 10 to 6 a.m., and you're all I listen to all night, Monday through Friday. Love it. I started listening about three weeks ago, and I'm almost caught up. Cool. (laughs) Thank you. So I've been thinking and thinking if I had any stories to send in, and then I remembered the one time I went to a small medium reading. (laughs) Did you have a large time? (laughs) (laughs) A small medium reading. Oh, my God. That's great. I love it. Look, I know I told y'all that story before where I ordered the pizza for me and um, middle school Donna was very insecure and I didn't want the person at Domino's, I'm sure it was Domino's, to know that uh, I would be eating a whole medium pizza. And I was like, "Uh, yes, I need to place a delivery for a small medium pizza. And they're like, okay, a small or a medium? A small medium. (laughs) And they're like, Okay, I'm like a medium, but like a small medium. Like if one person's eating it, but it's small, <laughs> like, but not a small, because I'm big. Yeah, like don't play me with that small business. Just <laughs> make it like a small medium, like smaller. Oh gosh! So when I read that, right, that like that small medium, it just literally put me back into my old kitchen mm-hmm. with my. Rotary phone, mm-hmm. that was when that was, because it was only in the kitchen where that was. And I was like, a small medium? <laughs> you know that guy hated me? Yeah, just that one guy, huh? Well, <laughs> I'm still single. It's probably that guy's fault. He might use his pendulum and curse you. I don't think that's a thing. I hope that pizza was good. Lots of spit. Back to her small, medium reading. My best friend Coop had taken me. Now, mind you, I was not really a believer in this stuff. I guess I wanted to be proven wrong. That's why I went. So picture it. It was in the fall. I believe 2013, around 7 to 8 p.m. We arrived and sat in the back of the room. It wasn't big, your typical office room size, I'd say. There were two mediums, a male and a female. Before they even started, the female medium says, does anyone here have a small white dog? I did, but I didn't say anything. She goes on to describe my dog, Andy, a bit more. No one fesses up, so I do. She goes on to tell me how he's always itching and other stuff, and I say, yes, it was all true. She tells me it's his skin and to put a teaspoon of olive oil in with his food and it should help him stop itching. Then they begin. She points back to me and says, do you know a dark colored woman? She's standing next to you. She has on a white dress. She's your spirit guide and she's here to help you. Now let us backtrack to when I 
first found out about my great-great-great-grandma, Mama Nona. That's what they called her. I know she was born and raised in Puerto Rico. She was very dark-skinned. My grandma tells me she was a wonderful woman and she married a, quote, white man who had either blue or green eyes. My grandma can't remember. And that in Puerto Rico, she was a midwife. At some point, she even had a road named after her. When I first heard all of this, I felt a pull toward her. I got this overwhelming feeling of love, kindness, strength. I cried. I still do to this day. Every time I bring this woman up or think of her, I cry. I feel like I relate to her so much. I myself am married to a, quote, white man with blue eyes and have always had a fascination and uphold to the medical field. I was a CNA for many years and am currently in school for my LPN. After that night, I started giving my dog olive oil and his itching stopped. When that medium described the figure standing next to me, I knew without a doubt it was her. I know my great-great-great-grandmother is with me, and I know she's guiding me. That night, I became a true believer. Jesse, okay, one, I also say small medium to describe things, like I've said. Second, I have a white dog, and she itches a lot. So I, I like rub coconut oil on her, but I'm going to put some olive oil with her food. We used to do that for my parents' last English bulldog. Because it, like, helps their coat and stuff. But we did more coconut oil, but you can do, like, in the food, mm-hmm. not just on them. Yeah, well, I did coconut oil a little bit on her food, but I'm going to try olive oil. Yeah, we would do olive oil, too, though. I'm going to try it. Like, extra virgin olive oil or just regular yeah, olive oil? Yeah, extra virgin. Why? Because it's a little bit more clean. Well, she didn't say that. Well, <laughs> Rachel Ray, E-V-O-O. I mean, she's the OG <laughs> of the EVOO. Also, is that not the most anxious thing in the world? Well, I don't know. Probably not. But having a medium or someone describe something and be like, does anyone have, even if they're like, who here drives a green Ford Taurus? Even if you're not that person, you're like, oh, shit. Are you parked weird? Are Like, what's going on? Is your car unlocked? Is it on fire? What's going on? You know, uh-huh. like, it's just... So, it's like, who here has a white dog? Okay, who here has... You know, and it's like, I, I mean, I got one, but I ain't going to say anything. And then it's like, well, okay, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like that. But I don't want to say it. But I don't want to. But good thing you did, because then y'all had that connection and she was able to, you know, let you know the connection you you really do have with your great-great-great-grandmother. Which is, like, probably the whole reason why you were there anyway. Yep. And congratulations on going back to school, getting your LPN. Girl, you got this. The next one. I felt her death. Oh, gosh. Hey, guys. I'm Megan, and I like listening to y'all's podcast during work, and it's great. I have a creepy and strange story to tell y'all, if y'all have the time. Of course we do. Of course. I was 16-ish, and we lived on a haunted old farmhouse in Virginia. There were whispers, soft lullabies sung, smell of cooking at 4 a.m., and heavy furniture that moved in the night. But this one event scared me so bad, it took me two years to talk about without crying. 
At this time, my parents would leave early for dialysis, so I would get ready for school by myself. It was a normal morning, and I started walking to the end of my driveway when I felt it. I was being watched, but then the whole world changed. It was like stepping into an old photograph, all sepia-colored. Now, I'm a black-haired, tan woman, but I wasn't in this. I turned into a blonde, braided little girl in an old-fashioned dress with tiny flowers. I felt her fear as I realized she was being followed, so I started running. I just knew I had to run for it. But then I stopped, and I turned to face the person chasing me. It was all black, no identifying features, but you could tell it was a man. He carried something heavy, a cast iron skillet, or at least it looked like one. I felt her courage, and then I felt her pain as he brought it down on her head. I felt the blood run down my face, and then it was just over. It was me again, sitting in the dirt. I don't know what happened or how to explain what it could be, and it still stays with me a decade later. Thank you all for listening to me ramble. Stay safe during this time and creep it real. Well, first, what in the tangled is going on? It it's like sounded like you stepped into Pleasantville. Yeah. Meets that he killed him with a love. Meets oh. tangled. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. With the iron skillet, if you don't know what we're talking about. Man, that's scary. That is scary. No, thank you for that. Yeah. Hopefully you never have to deal with that again. Ever. But if you do, send us another email. I mean, we definitely want to know. We're nosy. Definitely you're nosy. Last one. Let's not meet again. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I'm Gio, and you can say my name. I'm sorry for the extremely long email, and I apologize for any grammatical errors, but English is not my first language. I've just recently found your podcast and wanted to tell you, first of all, it's amazing, and I love you. You are the best and only spooky podcast that I want to listen to, and I love how smart and funny you are on each topic, and you're making my quarantine much, much better. Also, I adore your laughs. And second, that I love your sinister sightings, and that's mostly why I write. Side note, the story mentions sexual assault, depression, self-harm, and eating disorders, but it does have a nice ending, but still. Now to tell you my experience. And if you want to share it on the podcast so others can learn from it and won't be scared to speak and share whatever their story and experience may be is completely fine with me. So what happened to me was when I was six or around six, I'll get into why I can't remember the exact age later. So around that time, we used to live on a ranch where my mom and her family grew up and now we were growing up there too. So it was always a safe place for us, and so were the people. But one summer, when it happened, a guy who worked there, along with two other guys, started doing things to me. I'm not going to get into details. Now, going back to why the flakiness with the age was because at that time, my small child brain couldn't understand what was happening, so it blocked it all out. And as I was growing up, I didn't really remember that it happened, According to my mom now, there was a change in me, which I think was a ripple effect of the abuse, even though I consciously didn't remember. I did become an angry and depressed child, and I started going to therapy ever since I was around that age, and I'm 28 now. 
As a part of the ripple effect, I struggle with severe depression that came along with self-harm and a couple of suicide attempts and an eating disorder. The other problem was that my parents weren't that great at the time. Especially my mom, she was kind of abusive and since my mind learned to erase things if they were bad, I started to erase everything until I blocked even the good days along with all the bad ones to the point that I simply remembered nothing and I thought memories were fleeting things that you live a week and it's gone and so on. It wasn't until I was an adult and with the therapist that actually worked and I was already in a good place mentally and had already recovered from the eating disorder, yet we still knew there was more progress to make so we kept working and that's when talking to her I realized that memories don't work the way I thought. So then I actively worked on getting them back but nothing ever worked. It wasn't until a couple of months ago that I got it all back. But I will say it wasn't easy. I've been going to therapy for years, mostly for depression, and I did make it out. I fought hard to stay alive, even though most of the times I didn't want to. And I finally said to my therapist, I'm happy and grateful to have lived what I lived. And I understand that every step is needed to get better. A couple of days later, I had a dream. I was in the ranch telling one of my cousins how one worker did something to me. Then the worker knocked on the door and my grandma was opening when I told her to not let him in, that that man was bad. But she said no, that he's been working for us for years. He's a very trusted man. Then my grandpa came in and said the same thing. And that was that. In the dream, the only clear face was his up until what he was wearing. So because the therapist can't work just based off of a dream to not put false memories in, or in case that is a false memory, she told me to meditate. So I started meditating. And one day I said, God, universe, or whatever is out there, please, I'm not a scared, defenseless little girl anymore. I'm an adult now. I'm strong. I'm brave. I can remember whatever I lost. And the next night, in another meditation I did, I remembered exactly what happened. Again, I'm not going to get into details, but there was a reason why I remembered his face so clearly, and he indeed was a very trusted man who worked with our family for years. The thing with me is that I was happy and relieved. I remembered such a horrible thing. Because it gave me my life back. I realized that it wasn't my parents' fault that I forgot things. That there really was something else and a reason for so many problems that I've had. And like I said before, I was happy and grateful to remember such a horrible memory because it gave me myself back. I've never felt like a victim even though for years I've struggled like one. But I released that. I also fought back. I was a victim, yes, but just in the moment when it happened. But as soon as I kept going, I became a survivor and fought back even if for years I didn't remember against what. The depression and everything else were just the ripple effect. After I remembered, it took me three weeks to forgive him. I don't know what it is that you believe in, but from everything I've experienced, I think that we're here to learn and to teach. Sometimes we forgive and sometimes we have to be forgiven. 
I had already a face and a name. So I sat down again and pictured him in front of me and said, thank you. For years, I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know what I had to learn. And even though I know I'm sure to learn more, I know now I can handle it thanks to you. Now I know how strong and resilient and brave I can be. So thank you and I forgive you. I can go on my own way now and so can you. Goodbye. It may sound odd, but that's all it took for me to let him go. When I listened to Sarah G on One Part Podcast, you should listen, it's also pretty cool. I remembered she said how not everyone can nor should do what she did, which is go to the police and go to trials and send the person to jail. And she's right. When I talked to my parents, because they did know the guy, they wanted to do something about it, but not me. I didn't have the mental strength that it required. Again, I was just thankful and grateful to have remembered because of all the good things that it gave me back. So it was easier for me to forgive in such a fast manner, which again, not everyone can nor should do. Like Sarah said, you need to do what's best for you, whatever that is. Even forgiving him was easier than forgiving me for letting it happen. I didn't notice, but I was angry at myself for not being there for me, for not being that strong, fearless, brave person that I am now, except as harsh as it may sound, if it hadn't happened along with many other things, I wouldn't be that way now. So it took me longer to understand that we are stronger than we think. I believe sometimes we just forget to look back at everything we've surpassed and accomplished. One last thing. Also listen in to Caitlin N. Brewer, also in the One Part Podcast. She is so right in what she said about how to prevent sexual abuse on kids. My parents were quite the opposite of everything she said. They didn't talk much about our bodies and were very hard to be approached and kind of neglectful. So when it happened, I never really told them even before I forgot about it. I'm not going to get into much detail of her conversation. I think people should listen to it, and she explains things better than how I could, but she is right on everything she says. Anyway, thanks for reading or not. It's fine. I know this story is very long, but I tried to summarize it, so I hope it still makes sense. I really hope it's interesting and helpful for someone who's struggling. Just know that you're not alone. You never are. So I hope you're doing great in these uncertain times. Goodbye. Love you. Have a lovely day. Geo. Wow. That was powerful, Geo. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, that was so personal. So really and truly, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yes. And I truly believe that will help someone out there. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be someone listening that needed to hear that. Hell, I needed to hear parts of that right there. So thank you. These stories were so good this week. Thank you all so much for sending them in. They never disappoint. If you want your story read on a Sinister Sightings, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.